Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello listeners, watchers and fans out there. Welcome to another chapter of the SDR Disco Call show. If this is your first time joining, this is a show all about helping people in the world of sales development or people working in sales and in tech sales. My job as a host is to bring and find guests from all over the world that are in this position to give you career insights, help you navigate your career, or maybe answer those burning questions that have been in the back of your mind that you're not getting from your manager or your peers and you can learn it here and with our episodes they're always available in your local podcast platform and also on youtube so if you're viewing it through or listening to it in any of those platforms please make sure that you give us a like comment subscribe and reply and with a guest that we have today this is somebody that i'm very excited to have on the show because they were actually a referral from one of our previous guests so a big shout out to omar sadiq out at trainio but guess, uh, rather than keeping my audience uh, wondering who the hell you are, could you please introduce yourself? Who are you, sir? Thank you for the introduction, Neil. Uh, my name is Kyan Burke. I am an account executive at Revolut, also a keynote speaker and podcast host. Ooh, thank you very much, Kyan, and welcome to the show, sir. <laughs> so this man is behind a lot of media and content, and you know he has his own podcast, and we're going to dive into that in a short while. Uh, and also, guess you may be wondering, okay, we've got an account executive on the SDR Disco Call show, but there is a good reason for that, and you're going to find out very soon. Uh, but, Kyan, for our listeners and watchers out there, can you tell us, where are you based in the world? And you're an A for Revolut. What does Revolut do? Yeah, good question, Neil. Um, I'm based in London, UK, and Revolut is essentially a remedy for your yeah. traditional banking solution. So all things money in one app, pretty much. Thank you very much, Kyan. And outside of sales, sir, uh, what kind of hobbies do you have and interests? I like boxing, so I do that every Saturday. Um, I've got a brilliant nice. coach who, um, you know, we can speak about everything. So I can come to him when I'm feeling stressed o over the week and we can have really deep conversations. I also like recording because of BDR's podcast with my co-host Brandon Hook as well. And anything to do with business development, um, I know mm. that may seem like things that are in my sort of professional time that I should be doing, but I really am passionate about business development, hence the podcast. So I love watching things like yourself and anything out there that, you know, is interesting to me. Thank you very much for the insight, Kyan. Uh, and again, uh, we're going to be sharing the links and we're going to be diving into deeper about Kyan's podcast as well so that you guys and girls out there are able to review this because I think it's freaking cool what you're doing, Kyan. Uh, and as guests and listeners and watchers know, it's normally at this point we will dive into our guest LinkedIn profile. And as a gentle reminder, you can always find their LinkedIn profile URL within our show notes. So if you want to reach out to Kyan, pick his brain, learn more about him and his show, feel free to check it out. But Kyan, you are a man that is a media mogul from my point of view. Like you said, a keynote speaker, podcast host, and you work in sales. A man of my own heart. 
Uh, and there is a lot of content that you do. So guests and listeners and watchers highly recommend checking out Kyan's content because it's super cool. I'm super envious and I'm learning a hell of a lot from yourself, sir. Uh, but you've got quite a colorful career. So, you know, looking at your history, like you've been a lettings negotiator. You've been an intern at the super cool company Trainer. You've worked uh, in the world of sales at Sight Improve. You're an SDR community manager, podcast host, and a new recent A for Revolut. So, Kyan, could you uh, walk us through kind of like where did it all start th- Start off? Uh, how did you get into sales and how did you end up where you are today, sir? Good question, Neil. I think from school, um, I remember like a, a very important book, um, which was Duncan Bannatyne's autobiography, where he talked about revolutionizing uh, the care homes when they became privatized. And I was literally yeah. addicted to that book. So from there... Um, I made sure that my degree was in entrepreneurship and Ooh. we had an amazing dean of entrepreneurship who encouraged us to start our own businesses, micro businesses. Uh, mm. We learned how to keynote speak. And at the end of my degree, I had to basically produce a pitch to the whole um, board of entrepreneurship at my university. And that's when wow. a lot of them approached me and said, hey, you'll be good at speaking. And I always kept that in the back of my mind. So mm. um from there, I use my entrepreneurial spirit to sort of get into sales. When you're fresh out of uni, sometimes you feel that chances are limited. And yeah. I had a good relationship with someone who um, owned a lettings agent. So that was my first exposure to sort of direct uh, B2B and B2C experience, calling, mm. emailing, and so forth. So that's how I sort of started, I would say. Yeah. And out of curiosity, so, you know, we've had quite a few guests that have, you know, had a degree within entrepreneurship and it's, you know, something I'm seeing more and more happening or I'm hearing of it more because to be honest, back in the days, I didn't go to university like disclaimer, but I never heard it as a degree or, you know, something you could go study and, you know, be a part of. What prompted you other than the book to get into the entrepreneurship and like, what was that experience like for you, Kyle? Yeah, that's a good question. Do you know what it is, Neil? And, um... I think we've had this conversation in private. It's sometimes it's people, you know, it's not necessarily that there was the um, entrepreneurship degree as a hundred percent of my decision, but it was mainly the Dean of entrepreneurship at the time. She was so passionate. Um, She had built businesses in the past. She would show us her previous work. She would bring people who had been on apprentice, who she had personal relationships in to speak. And when you meet someone with, um, you know, that much passion, it can encourage you to go down similar routes. Yeah. So like seeing somebody actually live it, breathe it, bring their experiences, have that passion, that burning right. fire, that kind of imprinted onto you and inspired you. Is, is that right? Absolutely. And I think it's a decision people are making more with their job choices. You know, yeah. we talk about culture a lot, but sometimes the decision to go to a company could be on, you know, a manager you've spoken to. It could be on someone in the, uh, the C-suite who you've been watching. You know, people um, can influence you if they're really passionate to, to make decisions. Absolutely love that. So love that. And 100% agree. You know, um, I think for me, as some of the, the, the listeners and watchers know, kind of like my uh, kind of taste or wanting to get into tech was I was a big fan of Apple back in the day. Like it was the iPhone that made me geek out and think like, cool, there's this tech. And, you know, when somebody says, you know, a startup like Apple has then become this huge mammoth company, I was like, that's so freaking cool. So that's kind of got how I got interested in tech. And then, you know, meeting a lot of, as you mentioned, 
C-level execs and learning their career that, you know, they're average normal people, but they've gone on to do phenomenal things. You're like, rah, I could do that as well. Um, so I absolutely love that. So as you said, you had a friend that had like a lettings business and that was like your first yeah. taste of, you know, being in face-to-face. What kind of happened after that, Kai? Or what experiences did you go through to then move you to the next stop? Well, I think my strength is, um, well, at first it wasn't technical. It was just sort of work rate. So I knew that if mm. I worked harder than anyone else, you know, I could get results in sales. So I went through, you know, a number of different positions from membership sales to a small accountancy firm working um, on sales there. But if we lead up to the point where I got into mm. to technology, what happened, Neil, is I saw a lot of content online about tech sales and how brilliant it was. Maybe some of it was too idolized, uh, idolizing, mm. you know, um, but majority of it came from America. And I was confused because... You know, I was wondering, why am I not seeing anything in the UK? Um, yeah. And that led me to who we just mentioned at the start of the call, Omar and Trainio. Mm. And I think um, I got in touch with Trainio on sort of the last day before they finished finalising their cohort. And I haven't um, looked back. Absolutely. And, you know, that's a, that's a very interesting point because it's something that I've brought up on, you know, other shows where, for me, being a UK guy... Um, within my friend circle or work circle or, you know, just peers in general. Nobody ever really looked into tech. And it was a very US, North American-centric thing because most of the startups that I had heard of were based out in California, right? So it was through a great recruiter that introduced me to that world, but it wasn't prevalent back then in the UK. Out of curiosity, like, what kind of sources were you looking at and how did you come across Trainio? And what were your initial thoughts of what this company does and how they could help people like you. What was that journey like? I think, yeah, that's a that's a brilliant question. Um, well, I think I'll start at the, the sort of decision point if I had one, but mm. I said to myself, okay, you know, I have been in sales. I want a sales profession that has longevity and growth. And the content that I mainly came across was on YouTube, um, TikTok, Instagram, a lot of mm. people who were posting about, you know, their day-to-days what being a BDR is, what being an account executive is. And that led me to do some Google searches as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I came across at the time are, was a lot of boot camps and a lot of uh, self-learning information, yeah. which, which, I, which I did. But when they were talking about things like CRMs and um, all, the, all the tech stack, it's hard to sort of understand what that really is until you get there. Yeah. So that sort of pushed me to to want to get there. Um, I did yeah. a Google search, I believe, of Trainio. Um, I didn't actually believe it at first, which is what a lot of people say. Uh, I'm sure Omar's spoken about that uh, loads of and times. I, I definitely want I definitely want to dive into that in a moment, please, because I have a real life example of somebody that called me the other day. But please go on, go on. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you look at the page and you think, what's the catch? And I think leading back to the the American point, Neil, I think it's based on the fact that. A lot of courses in America, you have to either pay up front or they take um, mm. a portion of your wages. So you kind of think, what's the catch here in the UK? But it's, it's just a testament to the great work that Trainio do really to be able to, you know, place you and give you such great coaches. And mm. if it wasn't for Trainio, I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. So I'm glad that, you know, it's led me to this point. It's come full circle, dude. I, I absolutely love that. And uh, you know, this whole thing of you didn't know if it was legit with Trainio. So uh, real life story, I think this is about two or three weeks ago. I got an outbound call. 
uh, on my phone. And FYI, my phone number is on my LinkedIn profile. So if anybody wants to help out me, feel free to do it. And somebody did. Uh, and this guy kind of said, hey, Neil, um, I currently work in some type of sales position. It's not tech sales. And they were saying to me, like, I, I you know, there has to be much more to life than this. You know, I've only been in this role three months. And I was like, okay, it's only been three months, dude. So, but he said he wanted more. And he says, how can you help me? And I said, I'm more the guy that once you're in the company and you're doing the actual role where you need that coach or you need that trainer, that's where I come in. I'm not the guy that helps you get into it. But there is a company called Trainio, and this is where you could be as a starting point if you want to get into it. And I said, you know, it's a free course they provide, they enable you, and then they will help you find that next position. And then he said to me, what's the catch? And I was just like, there is no catch, dude. And he was like, yeah, but you know, there's a lot of companies that scam you. I've, I've, I've read up on this. I've actually applied and, you know, they're asking for money up front, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, I wasn't aware of it. I had no idea that people are scamming people out there, right? Uh, which made me think, like, bro, really? Um, and I said, no, Trainio is legit. You know, I've sent a lot of people there. I've actually worked with a lot of people that have come from there. Then go for it. Uh, and then, you know, he applied and he, like, it was like two days later and he called me again. He said, I haven't heard anything. And I was like, they're quite busy, you know, they will get back to you. And I think, I think I believe they have. Um, but that whole thing of somebody or an organization enabling you for free and then helping you get into that role was freaking amazing. But to your point, you maybe had to question whether it was legit. And what was that process like for you, Kyan? And how did you, you know, once you actually got in there doing that stuff, what was that like? Because I think a lot of our guests and listeners would love to know that journey as well for those that might be skeptical that it's a scam. Good question. I think that's 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 a brilliant story, Neil, as well. Uh, as well, I think the main thing is um, the skepticism is because there aren't really that many organisations to compare it to. So you think if this is sort of some lone machine, how, how are they able to to do this? But um, mm. I had a great conversation with with Omar and and Jordan at the time about the course. We did a few interviews to sort of see what my drivers were. And what my motivations were to to get on the course and on mm. the course it's the highest quality of coaching that you can get like mm. some of the method well near enough all of the methods that i use today are from the course and a lot of the coaches on the course are now you know my friends one is a mentor of mine as well mm. um i should be going back to do some coaching on the course as well which should be exciting. So it's like everything yeah. comes full circle, as, as we said earlier. So I think yeah. once you're there, it's brilliant for friendship as well. My co-host, yeah. Brandon Hook, that wouldn't have happened without Trainio too. I love that. I love it. Again, a big shout out to, to the Trainio family. They're doing some great things. Um, and as, as you mentioned, like uh, for somebody as an outsider, um, you know, I've spoken to Trainio, I've seen how they work and I can see like, the amount of global coaches they have from different companies, different experiences, basically, you know, it's a melting pot of knowledge for SDRs to learn from. And as you mentioned, it's a great networking opportunity where you're meeting like-minded people or who are people at a similar point in their career, and they're able to go on this journey together. And as you said, you know, you're making mentors, and then you're able to go back and help out for the people that helped you, right? I think that's a that's a beautiful journey. Um, and, you know, when you got to the end of that Trainio experience and then you moved into your role at Sight Improve, what was that transition like for you and what was going through Kyan's mind? Good question. I, I, um, someone someone sort of said to ask me a, a question surrounding, you know, 
what happens to the at the end of training because they were going through the course so they asked me a similar thing yeah. and how i described it which is what happened to me it was so supportive um there were a few yeah. opportunities presented to me um a few companies i was interviewing with but omar said to me numerous yeah. times look if you've got this offer and we're having this conversation and these are your yeah. doubts don't take that one so I actually yeah. waited a, a long time. It wasn't like they were trying to get me into a certain role. Uh, we spoke yeah. on we spoke on a, um, on mobile, me and Omar, and he said, you know, if these are your reasons, don't take that one. And the reason that I went with Sight Improve, it relates back to sort of our earlier conversation, Neil. It was the, yeah. um, the manager at the time. He was really invested in me as a person and, and sort of my yeah. story and what I wanted to achieve. And that sort of differentiated it from any other interview where... Perhaps it may be, you know, a numbers game. They're treating it like the recruitment, like a numbers game, yeah. effectively. Yeah. I love that. So, you know, you have a couple of offers on the table. Omar is also coaching you and helping you, you know, come to the conclusion of which way do you want to go. And then finding that place where, you know, they're invested in you and your success rather than to your point just being a numbers game. I think that's freaking amazing, dude. And I think this is a, it's a great question I'd love to ask you as well because... I get a lot of DMs on LinkedIn where it's people I've either trained or coached and they're coming to me saying, Neil, you know, I'm moving job. I've got a couple of offers on the table. Um, and they say to me, what do you think I should take? And my initial response is, I can't make a choice or a decision for you because it's based on your values and what you want from that job and career. Here are a couple of things to think about. But for our audience and listeners and people that may be having a couple of offers on the table and they want to move forward to that next job or role, what advice or tips would you give them, Kyan? That's a good question. I, again, I would probably, if to so those who are watching and listening, I would probably inbox Neil for that sort of matrix that he described. <laughs> because with me, Neil, it's, it's about the energy that I get from the people that I speak to at the company. I do have some sort of non-negotiables or uh, brackets that, that, I, that mm. I put down, such as, you know, what I want to earn, what the commission structure is like, the products, I need to believe in it. These are a few things, but it mainly comes down to, to the people with me. Mm. I love that because, again, with the people, it can relate to the culture, the people you're going to be working for. And do you have any kind of like red flags of things that are non-negotiable for you? Like, okay, if I hear or see those sort of things, I don't want to steer clear of it. And Or also, how do you get the, the vibe check? on that people and culture to make you feel, okay, this is maybe something I actually want to do? Good question. Um, I think there are a number of resources we can use, such as, you know, rep view to check if the team's performing or not. You do want to be walking into a winning team. You do want salary transparency as well, which is always good. Mm. I think one of the best things to do is reach out to someone who works there, um, it may sound weird, but maybe not the person who's going to give you the referral. Just ask them yes. a few questions and, and see what it's like. Most of the times they are fair. We do have, you know, transparency on things like Glassdoor as well to see what the culture's like and so forth. Yeah. So there's a lot of due diligence that, that you can do, but I would say utilize your network. Um, if you know a friend of a friend, that's always good because they're most likely to be quite neutral about the opinions that they're giving as well. I love that, dude. I love that. And you're very right. So the transparency of, you know, Glassdoor, before I've joined any organization, I always look to see like what people say on there. 
And you have to also take it with a pinch of salt because sometimes there are just disgruntled people <laughs> that just didn't like the job or, you know, they weren't a fit for it. And they will, you know, bitch and moan about it on there. But, you know, on the average, you'll always see, like, what's their view of leadership, of management, like, what are the pros, what are the cons? You know, sometimes coming into a startup, we also have to understand that not everything is defined or structured perfectly compared to, like, more established, older organization. Uh, and again, it, it depends on what you want. But also that tip that you give, like, you know, networking bottom up, speaking to people in the org, like, what's it like there? How are you feeling about it? Why did you join that company? And even to take it a step further, I also used to go into G2.com to see what customers say about their platform and their product. Because again, I need to be able to believe in this product, but also be passionate about it as well to help me figure that out, right? So there are there is, to your point, a lot of due diligence you can do. And I think, you know, the people that do DM me and inbox me, uh, the underlying bit of advice that I give them is you need to do what you feel is right for you based on your research. The other thing that I give them, and this might sound a bit contradictory, is not every job is forever. And what I mean by that is if you decide to move forward with this position, you know, go for it. But after six months, you may feel it wasn't what I thought it would be. It's not where I want to be. And the advice that I always was given by my father, which was, you know, go into a job, get to the six month mark and then ask yourself, is this where you want to be? And if it isn't, then at least spend the next six months planning where else you'd like to go or what you'd like to do. But by that point, you've at least got a year of tenure under your belt and Neil, that will help out with your CV. And I've always put that in the back of my mind of, you know, I'm going to go for it. It looks really great, but it might not be everything I hoped it to be. And if it isn't, there is always alternatives, but I'd always give you the benefit of the doubt by sticking out those first six months and then using that thereafter. Um, but also what I'd love to learn from you, Kyan, is, you know, you came in as a BDR, you performed quite well, you went into a team lead and then went to an AE. What was that journey like, dude? Good question. Um, that journey was really amazing. You know, I built so many great relationships, you know, at the company. They're really supportive um, from the moment that I came in. And I don't, I don't think it was conscious, but I managed to build relationships with every department, Neil. So whether you mm. was an office manager or worked in marketing or had nothing to do with sales, I would make sure to speak and it didn't always have to be about work. So I always felt supported and it created sort of a snowball effect where, you know, I was really motivated to come in, do the hours um, mm. and make sure that, you know, I maximize my capabilities and then after a short while, I started thinking, you know, where can I go? Where do I want to go? It was an account executive role. Um, luckily, I had good relationships with the sales manager. And also, I made sure that the CEO was aware of who I am. So whenever he yeah. came to, to London, he could see the, the board that we had up at the time and he could see how hard I was working. So I think, you know, the snowball effect of those great internal relationships um, and, my, and my ambitions really pushed me to 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 do well there and have an enjoyable experience i freaking love that dude <clears throat> and i think the key thing that stands out there is your visibility in the organization so you know talking to different departments making yourself aware this is who i'm even if you're talking to somebody that's not sales you know wanting to put the grind in with work and put the the effort into it to get those results and then making yourself visible to like the CEO as well. So, you know, a lot of the time 
where I've been in companies and, you know, I'm coaching or managing SDRs, I said, you know, every time you get a win, no matter how big or small it is, celebrate that shit on Slack. Like, let people know that you've done that and be proud of it. And they're like, oh, but, you know, I don't want to toot my horn too much. And I said, here's the thing, with a lot of us working in a remote life, and you may not be in the office, they may be totally unaware of it or who you are and what you're doing. You know, so making yourself um, visible, not in so much a, an egotistical way of like, hey, I'm super great, like, look at me. But it's kind of like, I've done this for the org, I'm really proud of it. And, you know, hey, guys, like, we're winning as a team. That is a stuff that will get you noticed with your managers, your peers. And that's sometimes where you become the recommendation of maybe Kyan could be that guy that could do this. That's that's what I found. But what, what are your thoughts on that, Kyan, in terms of, you know, letting go of your ego being scared of being known or achieving well and getting yourself more visible what what advice would you give to somebody i honestly think you couldn't have have said it better if no you know you're the only person that's gonna shout about your wins you're the only person that can um as much as you know companies have one particular goal i think as employees of companies were sometimes just solely invested into our own role so that means everyone else is your manager uh, the CEO they've got other things to worry about during their day mm-hmm. so when they can know about you know your your achievements it's always brilliant and it keeps you top of mind I love that so 100% cosign and agree on that um, and a topic that we want to discuss because you know you came in as a biz dev rep you went team lead you went to an account executive two parts that I want to pick upon is what did it feel like to finally get the promotion to AE and you know you did it quite fast and the second question is about progression you know it's a topic we discussed before we started recording like we really don't want to dive into the progression and what advice we can give to reps but starting on point one Kyan what did it feel like to get the promotion like what what was going through your mind and how how did that feel Uh, it felt it felt amazing and again i was very uh vocal to the bdr manager the bdr directors the sales managers about that maybe six months before it happened you know before there was even any actionable plan that we'd made i was very vocal about me wanting to be in that position but i think what's important to to know is from maybe not day one but from an early stage i made sure that i had um some work to show that i was i was worth this position you know Mm. i made sure that i was continuously top in in the in emea in the uk sometimes Mm. globally for you know big kpis whether it was opportunity creation the dollar amount of that opportunity creation even down to activity and Mm. um so i had to have a, a case for it um initially but once i became consistent in those kpis you know i was i wouldn't say hounding nil but there there were Mm. a few emails sent on sunday to the sales manager at the time to remind him (laughs) of why i should be in the team uh love that and he would he would always uh appreciate that persistence and we we would have a laugh the next week about why Mm. i emailed him this long email about all the things i could do if i was an ae in the team all the problems i could solve for him so yeah, just having that body of work to prove you can do it and making it making it known, it felt amazing. I love that. And you know, that's it's I, I love to hear that, you know, like you're preparing like this body of work to show why you're that guy, right? Uh, and the tenacity with your manager sending emails on a Sunday saying, Hey, this is why I should do it and you know, vocalizing really why you want that. 
So, you know, I've met a lot of reps uh, that have just started out this career and I asked them the question, I said, okay, you know, three, six months or in 12 months time, where do you want to be? They're like, I want to be an AE. And I asked them a question, okay, so how are you going to get there? What does that look like? And then I'm just going to hit target, you know, book month on month and that's going to be fine. And because of my tenure, I feel that I should get promoted. And I kind of say to them, it's more than just tenure and hitting consistency. So, you know, for somebody that needs to prepare that body of work, what does that look like in terms of documentation, examples, or like, how did you sell yourself to that manager in order to get that kind? That's a, that's a brilliant question, Neil, and I'm glad you asked that. And uh, my response is nothing went undocumented, like nothing from mm. my probably first win. Um, I had that all document documented in like a OneNote, whether it was screenshots of dashboards, KPIs, metrics, good feedback from AEs for meetings that I'd booked, good feedback from the marketing team if we if we collabed on something. Everything that I did was documented because I think it's not always about, you know, wanting to present that at a later stage to someone else. You need to remind yourself as well of what you've mm. done. Because sometimes you forget. So um, when it came down to speaking about that promotion or negotiating that promotion, I had so many legs to stand on that were documented, that were facts, that were in writing that we can't ignore. So mm. um, I think that's that's the main thing to do. Freaking love that, dude. Um, documenting your success, because t on two points, firstly, it's something you can present to, to the leadership, but also to remind yourself, because sometimes we can get so caught up on the next step we can forget where we've come from and the things that we achieved especially when we have those lulls and low moments as well right um and you know when it comes to learning skills or before you get into that new role so some people may feel that as long as they can hit target and they can do a really good demo that's it i'm like there is so much more to it than just doing a demo because you know there are conversations before that and then after that but what other you know i'm a brand imagine i'm a brand new sdr I've been in this seat for six months and in six months time, I'm going to go for that promotion. What skills should I be honing on and how can I practice those skills while still in my position as an SDR kind? Brilliant, brilliant question. I would say I, ha I had this conversation with someone yesterday and it's not that, um, I don't think it's, it's that difficult. I think the first thing that you have to do, and I do this like even before I finished onboarding sometimes, which may annoy the people that I ask, but I find out who is the best in, in the role, whether it's AE, whether it's BDR, I ask um, either the manager or whoever in the company, who is the best person hey. statistically? And I book a meeting with that person and I just literally follow everything that they do to a T. And eventually <laughs> what you'll be able to do, whether it's email writing, cold calling, You'll be able to either do things more in your way. Um, you'll be able to become more efficient. So you may be able to say, okay, this is working, but I don't even have to do that many calls. I don't have to do that many emails because I'm good at this. So you'll be yeah. able to optimize. But I always encourage new BDRs, don't invent the wheel because there is no need. Um, some people yeah. ask me, oh, I'm going to a new company. I am going to write, I don't know, a cadence or a new script and I always say, find out who the best person is in that team and go and get mm. their one and use that for now or edit that. So just basically, if it's copying, they're, they're, mm. then they'll, but the people will be more than happy to help and they'll be flattered as well. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's, the, that's the number one thing. I say, think the second thing, and this is 
more for if you have um sort of an sdr and a team that's uh one to one but yeah build a good relationship with your a because um the a that i worked with ollie we would run through walls for each other and mm. what i mean by that neil is she would see how hard i'm working i would see how hard she's working and there'll be like slack messages at 11 p.m like oh, i just thought of this should we should we prospect this company and because of mm. that when things happen neil like um i don't know an inbound or someone who's reached out to her you're going to be mm. the one to get it and all these yeah. things can add up to your targets it's not necessarily that you know the top performer is particularly special they've just mm. done whatever's worked before plus they've created their own luck yeah i freaking like that's some solid advice there kind so you know to kind of summarize that um check out the blueprints of those top performers like if it's emails if it says call like so don't have to reinvent the wheel but see what's working especially if you're coming new into this role and you're trying to figure it out book time with those top performers to see how they're doing it and you know whilst you're doing your onboarding at the end of it just say hey who is top person statistically and then building that relationship with that account executive where you're like co-pilots with each other you're driving for success and you know you can kind of spur each other on competitively of like yeah we're going to smash this meeting okay we're going to do this we're going to handle that i'll, I'll do the follow-up i've been there i've done that with a lot of aes and it's fun yeah. And you can build that chemistry and they want you to succeed. So they will help you get that conversion to meeting booked, to meeting sat, and then helping it turning it into an opportunity. And then also giving you feedback of, you know, next time we go into the call, maybe you could do the introduction. Maybe you could do the follow-up email. You know, take some of that responsibility off my plate so that you can start getting ready for that role. Freaking love that. And now coming back on to the second pillar of this. So we have a lot of SDRs that want to progress as quick as they can. You know, they have their heart set on it. And, you know, I was speaking to an SDR yesterday where they asked me the question of, I'm now looking at that A position. What advice would you give for my career advancement? And my first question to them was, why do you want to be an A? Let me just ask you that first. And they're like, I want to make commission. I want to travel and I want to be rich. And I said, All right, cool. And the second question I asked them was, you know, other than this AE position, what other positions have you explored that can still get you those three things? And they were like, I just want to be an AI. I haven't really looked into them. And I, but then they said to me, maybe it is worthwhile me speaking to different departments and checking that out. I said, cool. And the last thing, which is a bit of advice I've given the show multiple times, is go check out the job description, figure out what you can do today and what you can't do today. And what you can't do, book in time with that AI, like you said, to learn, shadow, and get the ropes and get ready for it. And towards the end of that conversation, kind that person said, there is a lot I can't do. There is a lot to learn. And there's a lot to think about and do before maybe applying for that promotion. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, with those ones that have their hearts set on progressing as quick as they can, and sometimes, you know, the manager may say it's not going to happen right now, but it will happen, you know, at a certain point. But for those that want to progress quickly, what advice would you give to them, Kyle? I thought, firstly, no, I think that's a, that's a brilliant breakdown because everyone's motivation is different, you know. For me, becoming an AE, there's a bit of a, not a weird motivation, but it's because my ideal sort of role is to be director of sales enablement. I'm in love with the arts. I think that's why we hey. connected so well because you're so passionate. Yeah. And if, 
this may sound weird, but if I didn't have to be and I could just go to that position, another route, then I would. But I had a good conversation with one of the um, uh, BDR directors at the time. And he said, if you're going to be in enablement, you need to, okay, you've done very well when it comes to the, the BDR, SDR role. But if you want to yeah. be in enablement, go and smash the AE role so that when you are teaching, when you are training, when you are helping teams, you can say that you've done it. So my motivation amongst other things, you know, you can have great commissions and so forth. It's because I know that I need to do this to be able to eventually get to that position of enablement. Mm. I freaking love that. So, you know, where you want to get to, you need to go through these experiences of learning those things so that when you get into that position, you've had the experience, you understand it. And then you can help those other people that are going through that role that you've been through to be that director of enablement. Is that right? Absolutely. And another thing, Neil, touching on to, to, to what you said about, you know, why do you want to be in a, what should people think about? I think it's important to note that, especially in 2023, when there yeah. are a number of things like budget cuts, AEs are having to source most of their pipeline. It's not like yeah. um, previous years where... You may get more inbounds. You may get more leads from the BDR, SDR team marketing. You're going to have to do that. And one of the reasons that I like my current position is because I feel like there is no transition. Mm. I, I like being relentless. I like having high activity and put, mm. being put in a position where, you know, you're going to have to source a lot of your pipeline. There's no particular change. But if you speak to someone who says, I want to be an AE, uh, but they haven't heard, you know, what I've just said about the actual technicalities. Yeah. They may not know what's actually involved. So, yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. You know, you need to think about why you want to be there, the things that you can do, the things that you can't do, and actually yeah. what the climate's like at the moment. I mean, it, it suits mm. sort of how I work, but it mm. may not suit someone else. I love that. I love that. And, you know, could you maybe give us three reasons why you may not want to be an AE. So everybody would want to do it because they get to close, they get to deals, they get commissions, you know, they learn a lot of stuff in sales. But I've never really asked the question of why wouldn't you maybe want to go into an AE position kind or why it might not suit somebody. I think one valid point that I th is is probably not touched on enough, uh, enough Neil, and, and we need to Neat. sort of, in our space, we need to say that it's okay. It's because I just don't know yet. Because when you tell, mm. sometimes if you tell a manager, I just don't know, or I mm. haven't thought about that, it can be such a, a negative feeling, but mm. that is okay. You know, there mm. are some BDRs and SDRs who I know who are killing it, like mm. getting higher commissions than some AEs, but they just don't know. And that's okay yeah. because they're doing yeah. well and eventually they'll get to a point where they know. So I think the first thing is to is to, is to to recognize that if you don't know, yeah. then it's completely fine. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that kind. And um, what is, uh, it's like for, for, for the listeners out there, because a lot of our audience, this is a career path they, they want to get into. What is it the reality of having a quota over your head? You know, because as a BDR or an SDR, if you miss quota maybe a <laughs> month or two, it's forgivable. But as an AE, it's much more serious when you're reporting into a VP of sales because, you know, if you miss parts of your quota over a quarter, you could be gone. You know, there's more stress to it. Um, I also think 
you're speaking to multiple stakeholders now. So not only are you trying to sell to a decision maker, but maybe an influencer, maybe to HR, maybe to IT, maybe speaking to procurement and legal. So you're talking to a lot more people than you maybe would have done as of SDR or BDR. And then running a sales cycle is a roller coaster in itself, right? So what's the reality of being an AE? Like, what are those, like, stresses and, you know, what are the cool things as well? But what's it really like to be an AE kind? I think, um, Neil, those sort of stresses and pressures hanging over your head kind of force you to take action. So you mm-hmm. kind of get molded um, to, to be productive. But, yeah, absolutely, it can be extremely stressful, especially now with the climate that we're in. Um you're going to have to do a lot of things that you were doing as a BDR anyway. And mm. the challenge with that is that you're not just a BDR now. You have other things to do. So time management is huge. Some of the best AEs have, mm. you know, immaculate time management down to mm. down to the minute and nothing can interrupt that. You have to cope with um, difficulties and setbacks in terms of humans being so unpredictable. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Which is which is also um, uh, can be like an emotional battle that you may not have experienced yeah. before. But I think if you are sort of heavily KPI metrics focused and you continually seek feedback, then you could do well. And as I mentioned before, you don't. The best AEs aren't always particularly special. Maybe they yeah. just copied what the previous person who was amazing had done, and, and that's just my approach. I love that. Um, so that, that's some solid advice, I think, for our listeners and watchers out there, like contemplating this A role, things that they can do, you know, ahead before that promotion, things to think upon, you know, if this is the career that they want to go through and also the reality of it, you know. Um, but with that perseverance, if this is something that really brings you energy, you can have a hell of a lot of fun and you can make a lot of good money out of it. Um, and it can really help you to empower yourself before you go into that next position because like you said you know director of enablement that's kind of like maybe somewhere where you want to go and for me I just wanted to be a CEO of my own company I wasn't the best AE I wasn't you know to your point anything special average at best but I realized it wasn't something I really enjoyed as much but it has helped me today in being an SDR coach you know a trainer uh and a podcast host right because I have to prospect and book people into this and this is the live demo that we're doing and have to define the next steps, which is post-production, which helps me bring me on to the next area, which I'd love to pick your brain on. So uh, as a media mogul kind, uh, you've got your own media and content going out there. And I just wanted to share my screen again, because you've got a lovely uh, podcast, uh, which is because of the BDR podcast, which you have co-host, which is Brandon. And again, listeners, watchers and subscribers, I'll be putting links in to check out Kyan's show. But could you tell us, like, what is this about? How did it come about, and who would this ideally be for, Kyan? Yeah, great question, Neil. Um, so someone asked me this yesterday, and because of BDRs, I had a, I had to think about this of like what it means and 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 how it actually came about. So firstly, it came about because Brandon is like uh, a whiz and a genius when it comes to hardware. He can build his own computers and things like that. So mm. he was already doing some recording surrounding that. And he wanted a way of where he would be more consistent and focus on the tech side and have a partnership where we could push each other. Um, yeah. So we came into conversation about a podcast. We we uh, thought about what we wanted to speak about. And to be honest, Neil, it came from the it came from two things. So a bit of anger 
that a lot of times in the tech space, perhaps some AEs are like handing responsibilities to BDRs or SDRs and it's mm. their job or you're only a BDR is like a phrase. Uh-huh. So yep. that's one side of why it came out. We was like, okay, because of BDRs is going to show all the great things that BDRs do. And secondly, wherever we get to in our pro- professions, like now I'm an account executive, Brandon's going to get there soon. The name's not going to change. So because of wherever we are, whether we're CEOs like yourself, it's because we have been BDR. So those are the two reasons. And the show was just to to showcase all the great things that not just BDRs do, but everyone in in the tech space because there are some content creators on there, marketers on there, and they do amazing things and they have brilliant advice that BDRs can take on as well. I freaking love that. And as a a reminder, ladies and gents, if you want to check out the show, please check it on uh, the show comments, show notes, uh, and subscribe because they're also on YouTube and they've got stuff coming out as well and, you know, stuff on TikTok and everything. And I love promoting people that are passionate about our space. And um, I love that bit of, you know, the annoyance, like, of not the respect not given to BDRs and SDRs and helping elevate them on a platform. And, you know, even though that you're AAE now and Brendan's seem to be there, and one day when you're that director of enablement, things aren't going to change, and I, I, I love that with that. And asking for a friend or maybe a couple of thousands of friends that listen to this show, what type of guests are you looking for, Kind? Who are the type of people that you'd like to bring on the show and the people that you'd like to speak to, just in case anybody's out there listening? Literally, it's like, if you're passionate then I want to speak to you. We've had people like Janaid Iqbal on, who is one of the top 1.5 podcasters in America, who's written thousands of CVs to get people jobs at Amazon, Apple, and so forth. And then we've Mm. had content creators who've got their own music magazines, top performing BDRs, Mm -hmm. account executives. Um, One of my favorite episodes was was with um, Benedict. And Benedict started as an SDR, Within a few years, he rose yes. all the way to the head of sales and he's just had an article featured in Business Insider. So he's like wow. a BDR at, at heart. He he knows exactly yeah. what it takes. And um, yes. I think it's got loads of inspiration on there. Yes. In terms of guests, there isn't really any specific profiles, just passionate people who do you know amazing work yes. uh, in, in the SaaS space. I love that. So ladies and gents, if, if that is you, by all means, please reach out to Kyan, get in touch, uh, have a chat and see if that's for you. And Kyan, if you're, you know, if you're looking for, for any guests that are passionate uh, about nil. tech and sex, let me know. <laughs> uh, but Kyan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and learning your story with a lot of golden nuggets dropped down today. Uh, and a question that I love to always ask my guests is, if you could give yourself three bits of advice to a younger version of you, you know, maybe that guy that's working working in the world of lettings and, you know, he's got that entrepreneurial spirit and he's just thinking, yeah. right, I'm going to make something of myself. What three bits of advice would you give to that client? Brilliant question. I would say, it's a question, be, be relentless in whatever you're trying to achieve. Um, try to detach, you know, how you feel at the moment from your work ethic. Obviously, take great care of yourself mentally but always try to push forward. Even if like sometimes you go to the gym, for example, and you don't have the best workout, that compound mm. effect in a year because of that session and the motivation it's given you for the next day is something that we don't really think about often. 
um, I would say secondly, find a mentor. It's the biggest shortcut. You know, there's nothing amazing that I had done to have a great quarters apart from ask and implement the things that the people that were way better than me um, told mm. me. And I would say number three, seek feet. Well, three and three and three and a half. Seek feedback and and make yourself known. So um, no one else is going to shout for you apart from yourself. Um, yeah. Technically, you could do slightly less work or have a slightly worse performance, but be very vocal um, about what you're doing and get the recognition you need. I love that. I would definitely call that basically a jab, a hook, <laughs> an uppercut of advice kind. I freaking love that, dude. And are there any shout outs that you'd like to give on today's show? Yeah. Sure, I'd love to shout out my co-host Brandon Hook of Because of BDR's podcast. Of course, if it wasn't for him, that wouldn't have started. And also, Ollie Brennan is the account executive who I mentioned, who you know was instrumental in my career alongside Marcus Cooper, sales manager, and Ryan Nelson, my BDR manager at the time. Thank you so much, Kyan. And a big thank you to all of our listeners, watchers, and subscribers for joining us on Kyan's chapter on the SDR Disco Call Show. As a gentle reminder, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please give us a rating, subscribe, and like. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe, and leave a comment down below. And as always, all of our guests will have their LinkedIn profiles in the show notes if you'd like to connect with them pick their brain or ask any questions and also check out because of the BDR's podcast as well. But Kyan, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. I'm wishing you a successful week and good luck in the boxing session that you next have with your coach. Uh, but have a great week and happy selling, sir. Thanks all. Happy selling. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to sdrdiscocall, one word, at bcast, which is b-c-a-s-t dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR BDR, MDR or ADR and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'd love to have you on board.